You are listening to WP Radio's Out and About podcast, brought to you by Genesis Rehabilitation, Physiotherapy, and Sports Injury Clinic. All right, guys, on this episode of Out and About, um, we've got Matt Rienzo from Crawford Adjusters out of Toronto. We talked about cat claims. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. It's great. Matt talks about his experience while down in the, uh, the Caribbean and taking care of... Uh, all the clients down there and uh, just you know his in-depth knowledge and kind of dealing with cat claims was amazing i've never been on a cat claim out of the country so to find out what it was like being in the caribbean not having power not having water um, bad cell service not even having a vehicle in some cases really interesting uh, incredible guy so anyway enjoy this episode i know i did i know i love talking with him and we'll see you soon all right, guys, welcome to WP Radio. This is the Out and About podcast. Uh, it's Terry Doherty, and today we have Matthew Rienzo from Crawford & Company on, and we're going to be talking about catastrophic losses or cat losses, not cats and dogs, but actually handling cat losses. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Terry. Appreciate it. Uh, Matt, I understand that you uh, handled cat losses a couple of years ago, and I think it's a timely uh, topic because we're dealing with another storm, uh, Hurricane Dorian, and... Uh, Bahamas, and we've got some adjusters heading down there, some that are already there, and maybe you can give some insight into your travels when you were down uh, Turks and Caicos, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, I think it's in a very timely manner, especially now with Hurricane Dorian hitting the Bahamas so uh, severely. Um, I sort of fell backwards into cat work um, several years ago now. Um, it was when there was, what was it, July 2012, when we had the massive flood that was followed by a polar vortex. So my cat work actually started um, doing everything very local. Um, it was just recently, two years ago now, that I found myself down in Turks and Caicos. And for myself, it was sort of like the stars aligned. And I threw my name out there, got picked up within 48 hours. I was on a plane and flew to uh, Bahamas, had a quick stop in uh, Nassau, uh, had a layover, and then was rerouted to uh, Turks and Caicos. So I was in, on the island of Providencialis for initially six weeks and was asked to stay the full uh, nine weeks, which was the, the full term of the, uh, the work down there. Um, and yeah, I think it's a fantastic thing if you have the opportunity and availability to do it. Um, and it's just good for somebody that has a little bit of a flair for some adventure as well. Well, okay, so that's really interesting. But tell us a little bit more detail. Tell us about, uh, you know, where did you stay? How did you get around? Mm -hmm. You know, were you on a donkey? Did you have yeah. a car? <laughs> like, was there, there was there electricity? What was going on? I know it was pretty that bad. Was, that was all sort of touch and go, to be honest. Um, the experience, and again, I think everybody's experience is going to be very different. I'll speak to mine. Um, and, yeah, so I remember flying in from, from Nassau to, to uh, Provo, as they call it, and... Uh, I remember flying over, you know, over the islands and seeing how just devastated everything was. And I went, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Um, I remember touching down, getting picked up at the airport by uh, the guy that was running the uh, the operation in Turks. And very seriously handed us, you know, a set of car keys. Um, I think it, we might have gotten our per diem. And we were sort of off to the races with a stack of files. And he said, okay, well, here you go. Um, you know, we ended up getting into our accommodations, which for me, fortunately, were very great. Um, we had an apartment-style uh, condo that we stayed in that also doubled as the office for, I think, the 15 or 17 adjusters that were there uh, 
for the purpose of this outfit. Um, and as a younger adjuster there, I was very appreciative to be in sort of the quote unquote office setting. So my kitchen table was the office for a uh, handful of secretaries and uh, the managing partner that, <laughs> that ran the, uh, the event. So wow. it, uh, yeah, in terms of power and living accommodations, uh, I think those vary, you know, depending on where you are, of course. Um, we did have some power outages and um, I had never really talked about those being, you know, I was newly married at the time and had family back home that was worried sick. So I just told them that everything was fine. And if they didn't hear from me for a day or two, it was because I was so busy. Um, but yeah, so in my experience, we went down for Hurricane Irma. So I was down, I think, a week or so after, say seven days approximately after Hurricane Irma hit. Uh, touched down, got settled. We were there for maybe another six or seven days before Hurricane Maria rolled through. So um, I remember very distinctly seeing and tracking, you know, the weather networks and, you know, hurricane forecasts and just trying to identify what... Uh, what was coming our way and what we were sort of, you know, in for. Um, again, made for a unique circumstance. We all had the opportunity to leave if we so chose. Um, there was one person who did uh, request to leave the island. The rest of us decided to stay put and just sort of bunker down. Um, that was an experience, let me tell you. So you wrote so it out. We wrote it out, yeah. So it was uh, really the only day off <laughs> that, uh, that I can recall was having some power outages. So... We literally just, you, know, you hold up with everybody, um, sit tight and try not to use, um, you know, your amenities or utilities. And if you'd had to, it was sparingly because you didn't know how long it was going to last or what would happen. But uh, you don't forget the sound of that uh, 150 mile an hour winds howling and seeing 40 foot palm trees bending over and touching the, uh, the ground in your parking lot. So Wow. Um how about fuel outages or fuel loss or, I mean, fuel shortages and food shortages? Was Did that come into play? Uh, fortunately for myself, no. Uh, we did have several uh, road closures and a lot of delays with uh, power getting back to certain parts of, um, you know, town and things like that. But I was, or we were very fortunate rather. There was uh, some mention and speak of fuel shortages, but we never actually ran into that where we weren't able to complete a task or go out for, you know, attend a site because of uh, fuel shortages. So I sort of had the, you know, Disneyland version, I think, of, uh, of what some cat work. Yeah, because be. I'm looking at the Bahamas now, and I mean, mm -hmm. you look at parts of it, and it's just devastated. I yes. mean, like, obliterated, maybe is yeah. a better word. It just flattened some of the homes. Did you suffer or see that in Turks and Caicos to the same degree? Um, without being there, I can't, I can't speak to that from on an individual claim basis. There were there was such um, a range, you know. Some people had, you know, a, a broken window or a broken door, and you know, a puddle's worth of, of water damage. Um, I remember meeting with other clients and other insureds who said, you know, they were lying in the bathroom tub, or sorry, in the bathtub of their bathroom, holding each other uh, because they had lost their roof, and you know, they thought it, you know, that was going to be the end. Um, so in terms of, you know, seeing that devastation, it really varied depending on where you were and it could have, you know, one block to the next, you'd never know. Um, so that was uh, very different. I think the Bahamas, just in terms of the scope and scale, I have spoken with some people that are on the ground there. Um, to give you an idea, we had, I believe it was about 15 adjusters in Turks and Caicos that were covering the Turks Islands and, you know, a few others based on the contracts that uh, were secured. 
I know that the same outfit in Bahamas, and they're actually, they are based out of Nassau, they have roughly 50 adjusters. That's five zero. Um, so I can't imagine the size and scope of damage and loss there. So what did you do as the um, loss adjuster in the CAT claim? Did, were you asked to go down scope, settle? Did you have uh, an appraiser with you? How did that all work? Kind of, you it know, give was, us the ins and outs. The Yeah, absolutely. It was so vastly different from how we handle claims here and that's actually what I enjoyed most about it. Um, it was so uh, grassroots and elemental. Um, I didn't have access to you know any Xactimate program. It was literally done on um, you know an Excel spreadsheet with a pricing sheet that was provided by um, the managing partner. He said you know based on island prices uh, because they do, you know the you know freight and uh, duty as opposed to taxes. Uh, they said this is what the cost of you know a two by four is. This is the price of you know sheetrock or what have you. Um, so everything was overly simplified, which was fantastic uh, for a, a newer uh, cat adjuster, which I really appreciated. Um, and even you know coming down to scoping scoping the properties, um, I did a lot of it with pen and paper. Uh, there was, you know, nothing else, and you tried to keep your computer time limited, especially in the onset before uh, power was back and through uh, a lot of the towns. So, yeah, it was uh, very, very basic. Uh, so we were responsible for really just coming up with a uh, settlement figure that the insured and insurer were happy with. We'd report on that as well as, uh, you know, speak to the contents and, again, get a very, very rough schedule of loss in place. And again, it was more negotiation tactics than it was hardcore um, adjusting in the sense of being, you know, very, very technical. There's literally no time for that because all you'd get in, or the main objective was settle the building, settle the contents, provide any um, alternative living accommodations where possible, or just really, you know, advise of what the insurer was gonna be cutting the check for. So basically grassroots, mm -hmm. investigate, adjudicate, settle, move on. Yeah. And how many files would you have said do you think you saw in your time down there in those nine weeks? I had, it was funny, I was there for I think 96 days and I had opened and closed 90 files. Wow. Yeah. So in terms of the... That's um, one a day, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, so it's not for the faint of heart. There's no, uh, there's no way around that. I would say our work weeks were probably in and around 100, 120 hours a week. So seven days a week. For the first, oh, absolutely. For the, for the first four weeks, especially while things were, you know, very, you know, uh, rough, um, that was the best, the best way to go about it. It's hard to, you know, uh, justify taking a day off and going down to the beach when people don't have home, people don't have water, people don't have electricity. Uh, it was, yeah, some, sometimes it was pretty grim. So you needed to have some downtime to sort of unwind and sort of recalibrate your thought process. But it was very important, I think, to, uh, to try and do as much as you could for the people that you're meeting on a, on a daily basis. So, and, and those people that you met, mm -hmm. positive outlook, pretty upset, or did it you vary? Know, I mean, these are island people. They're generally mm -hmm. good-hearted you know, smiling people all the time. Did you did you get that side of it, or did you get the? Oh, absolutely. And you you have uh, it, it was a great eye opener for myself. And I've traveled extensively prior to my my work in in insurance and claims. But it was so great to see that range of people again as well, because you had some people that were extremely difficult to deal with that were trying to, um, you know, 
make the best use of the system, let's say, as possible. And then you had the other people who would have a missing roof, and you'd ask them how they're doing, and they'd say, oh, boy, we're so glad to see you. I am blessed. And you'd be like, my God, why can't everybody do, you know, be like this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was really great to see that range. But on the whole and the experiences that I had, um, I remember the very first day I drove into a certain end of town where it was 100% locals that live there and, of course, in, in uh, Turks and Caicos and Provo, their entire industry is based around tourism. So these are all of the local peoples that are working in your hotels, your restaurants, and um, you know everything related to, to everybody else being on vacation. Um, so it was uh, a lesser income end of town. And driving into this you know, place was, was pretty ominous. When you look around, it's entirely devastated. They didn't have power for weeks. Um, and you go, oh boy, what did I get myself into? I am not in Kansas anymore. Um, and you know, the smiles that you'd see on these people's faces, once they knew who you were, they'd, you know, move mountains for you to come, you know, they'd help you find your way around, just salt of the earth people. I still keep in touch and still get regular emails from a, from a handful of them actually. Now these people, they still going to work every day in the hotels and the ones that stayed open? Uh, some of them were, yes. Uh, most of them were just sort of sitting tight and it's, it's a weird and crazy sort of fact of life that they've sort of acknowledge and they know that every five, seven, ten years that, you know, they're bound for something like this to happen and they sort of chalk it up to the price of living in paradise. Um, so yeah, it's pretty daunting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. WP Radio's Out and About podcast is brought to you by Genesis Rehabilitation Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Clinic. With two convenient locations in the GTA, Genesis strives to provide the best physiotherapy and massage for their patients, along with the ability for treatment of spinal decompression. For more information, please visit genesisclinic.ca. What what would be the most important thing you learned or you took away from from your time there in your cat climb? Uh, whew, great question. Uh, communication. Nice. Um, definitely just having the ability to communicate with everybody and anybody uh, by any means necessary. Um, because I became a little bit you know, better known um, in the one end of town where I was working, I'd be stopped everywhere and say, you know, by anybody on the street, they'd say, hey, you were at my house last week. Can you tell me about this? How's my claim coming? You know, oh, my neighbor needs this. You know, my neighbor needs that. Um, and at one point, I held a, you know, informal uh, town meeting, let's call it, on the hood of my car. <laughs> really? Um, and I literally hopped in the back of somebody's uh, pickup truck, actually. And, you know, I said, okay, guys, I said, I've got, you know, an hour or whatever the time was, half an hour. And I'll take one question at a time and I'll do my best. And uh, they actually had another sort of representative of you know that block who came and they assisted me with sort of vetting the questions and answering people one-on-one. Um, and it was just, it was so cool, you know, um, to see people, you know, can still operate under such, you know, minimal technology or no technology. Um, and, you know, it was, it was very effective, which was it, That's nice really to cool. see. Nice to see, yeah. And no issues, never, never safety issue for you? You never... Did you run into anything at all? Now not, that you're back here, <laughs> not with people. Uh, it was the uh, the four legged kind there that were a little bit more challenging to deal with. We did have a, uh, one adjuster that had a run in with uh, with a dog, and um, I I love dogs. Grew up with with animals my entire life. Um, these were not pets. Um, I remember being introduced to some people's dogs on their property and they said yeah this is my favorite one he's already bit 16 people so I went, oh lord 
this is uh, this is a lot more for security and protection than it is for uh, you know a family furry friend. Uh, so yeah, there were some a couple run-ins with some dogs that had me you know jumping on hoods of cars and running. <laughs> it's funny but, that you say that. We were in Turks and Caicos this summer and uh, we were on the beach and and there was a dog that I thought was a member of this this guy's mm -hmm. family and I said, you know, what's your dog's name? He goes, well, it's not my dog. He just comes here because I have food. Yep. He's just a, a local dog and. I'm like, well, okay, well, does that seem very safe? And he says, is as safe as it can be? Yeah. Yeah. And again, those are the, the sort of little intricate and unique things that you run into with, yeah, yeah. with every with every cat claim. And again, you're going to have a different experience. But this was one that we just became very accustomed to from the bat. You say, hey, excuse me, Mrs. Lightborn, do you have any animals? Are there any dogs that you own or that, you know, are in your neighborhood? Because every, you know, street would sort of have a handful of territory dogs that just wow, round that's you know, crazy. made their rounds and then you know few people would feed them and they would sort of you know quote unquote protect that uh that neighborhood or those few houses um so they're uh very good alarm systems yeah very good sounds alarm like systems. it yeah um but you don't want to uh <laughs> you want to stay on their good side for sure if you could give some advice to adjusters that are going on cat claims um for the first time what would it be what what do you think uh, people should know you know, so they have a full understanding before they dive headfirst in, because it, it is different than handling anything else. Oh yeah, um, there's especially I mean, in a foreign country. Yeah, well, that's just it. I was going to say for and the, a third world country to begin yeah, with, right? Exactly. We're this is in first world countries you're dealing yeah. with, right? Well, yeah, we, not all of our claims were at beaches and sandals, you know. So yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I'd say nine. I'd say at least eighty-five of the ninety some odd claims that I had, I think, were. You know, not uh, you know, million dollar homes. Let's say so. Yeah, you're dealing with a different demographic for sure. Um, that there's really nothing else to it. You just you have to go in with again an open mind, be hyper aware of your surroundings because you are in a new place, dealing with new people. Um, they've just gone through a very traumatic experience, um, and that's that's really the the best advice I could give. It's uh, it's it's pretty daunting for you as well, showing up and being just sort of literally dropped in this environment um yeah did um i know they all speak english right english is their first language in turks and caicos yep. as it is in bahamas right now so we're you don't have any language barriers but mm -hmm. did you have any cultural barriers um not really no i mean you have to be open to new food groups um yeah <laughs> but again if you're if you're somebody that has a flair for travel and adventure that's all of the fun um i tried to immerse myself in the culture there as much as possible on the very first day that we had off we tried to yep oh hey dude yeah yeah thanks you can just drop it anywhere yeah okay. thanks man appreciate it you're good to go that's fine okay all right um, um when Sorry, you were saying when you got there, the very first day you got there. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. We were speaking to um, the Flair for Adventure there. Um, yeah, it's, it's really important. Oh, shit. I'm trying to thought here. What were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> Flair for Adventure. Um, what was I saying? And you have to have a taste for culture. Or like for food. Oh, yes. Yeah, so sorry. So we were trying to um, give back as much as possible. So that was going to all of the local mom and pop shops for for lunches, for dinners, you know, stopping in and supporting the, the local vendors that otherwise didn't have, 
you know, the, the same sort of clientele that they would if the loss or the hurricanes didn't happen. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, dining out for a couple of reasons. One was, you know, for the sake of time. The other was to support the, uh, the local shops and keep them open and running. Um, and I remember the very first day we had off, it was on week four or five, and we did a little excursion where we went out and uh, went snorkeling and went, you know, diving for conch and, um, you know, just got to see some of the, uh, some of the wildlife there out in, in and around the reef. Um, and whenever you get those, those, you know, little snapshots of what the island has to offer, it really makes you appreciate the work that you're doing there yourself because you're saying, wow, if, you know, the faster we can restore this place, the faster everybody gets to come back and experience it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, been pretty near and dear to my heart. I'm really looking forward to getting back there myself, hopefully sooner than later. To Turks and Caicos, you mean? Absolutely. And go see the people that you helped. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Um, So as a guy that's been on, you've been on more than one cat claim, obviously. Uh, Only one uh, international. So the other two were both in Toronto. Okay. Mm. How do they compare? Uh, Workload would be comparable. Experience is night and day. Um, is it because you're going home at night? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the hardest parts of being away from home is, you know, you're you're not you know cuddling up in bed every night with your significant other. You're not seeing your kids, giving them a kiss good night. You're away. Um, fortunately, with modern technology, it's not nearly as bad as it has been in you know past years or decades ago. Um, but it is there's that psychological impact of being away from your family and your life here, right? Um, it's great in the sense when you go away to a destination that you your entire purpose, 100% of your purpose is just to you know give back to this community and do as much as you possibly can in the short time that you've been given there, whether it's four, six, eight, ten weeks, however long your, uh, your deployment is. Um, it's very nice to know that all of your efforts are concentrated on that. Um, that's, again, when you're working a, a cat in your local town, city, wherever, um, it almost acts as a distraction because people are still in that same amount of distress, whether it be a flood, a polar vortex, a fire, whatever it may be. Um, you do have that distraction of, of home life and other obligations. Um, and it's harder, I think, when you're still living at home to shut those out because you still want to go to that baseball or hockey game or you still want to go to that Saturday night, uh, you know, guys night out or whatever your, uh, whatever, sure. you know, your fancy is. So, I think that was one of the benefits and advantages to uh, to being away because you're giving 100% So effort. you're immersed in it. Exactly. Um, exactly. So how did you know where to go when you were in Provo? Like, it, how, like the, did you have GPS? Was there street signs? I, sh- I got to be no. sure most of the stuff's knocked down. No, like, yeah. You well, know, were you going to the red house on the corner, <laughs> past the three goats? Like, how do you know where to go? Yeah, you look for the, uh, the donkeys. Actually, what uh, worked out great for us because for Turks or Provo, uh, specifically, was there was every home had two or three addresses. There was a builder address of you know ABC. There was an emergency line of one two three, um, and then you know the locals all knew the streets and things by by their own uh, name or handle. So all the street signs were gone. Uh, power lines were down, which we thought was terrible because nobody had uh, a landline. They only had phones when they were charged. So communication and contact was difficult. Uh, I became very great friends with the hydro guys. Um, 
So oh, okay. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, to Hydro One. Uh, there was a crew of guys from Niagara Falls that I ran in or sort of haphazardly ran into and said, hey, I'm looking for, you know, this block because there's no street names. You can't identify anything. Yeah. Um, so I used the uh, the Hydro guys that were in there setting the lines back up and getting uh, getting power back out to all of the homes through the uh, different towns. And uh, I just made very good friends with a uh, gas station attendant. And I'd say to every homeowner, I'd say, hey, listen, I have no idea how to find you. So if you could please meet me at, you know, gas station at this corner, that's the last identifiable uh, landmark. Please meet me here and I will follow you to your house and we'll go from there. And everybody was great about it. They said, yeah, yeah, can I walk there and, you know, you pick me up or I'll drive you there. I'm driving, you know, this blue Isuzu or whatever the car was, who knows. Yeah. Um, the tricky part was driving on the other side of the road and uh, when your rental car changed out, you're just praying that you had uh, the steering wheel on, on the side of the car that you're used to. So that, Oh, uh, so you, you, you weren't comfortable with the right-hand drive? Well, not at first. Um, and then what was harder, actually, not the right-hand drive, but coming home and driving on you know, the proper side of the road here became, <laughs> became an issue for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, you're back but, to the left uh, hand, yeah. Yeah, you get, you get used to it very quickly and accustomed yeah. to it there. Um, but yeah, there were just all kinds of these little things that you would never think of. Uh, but that's the adventure, right? That's what makes it interesting, unique. Um, so, yeah. And right-hand driving probably standard, or did you get automatic? Were you lucky enough to get an auto? I, thank God. I had a, an automatic. I can drive a standard here, but... Uh, you know, it'd be like driving backwards. So, yeah, thank it's, God they did yeah, do that. Yeah, switch your hands us. around, and yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a different experience. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, mm. um, you know, tell me the best thing and the worst thing about it. You know, and we'll finish it off at cool. that. What was the best thing you got out of being there? Um, was definitely hands down the relationships, uh, the people that you get to meet, the opportunity to meet these you know same people, both. Uh, insureds, claimants, um, people that worked on the island, um, and even people that work within, you know, your company or other adjusters. There were adjusters from all over North America, all over Europe, um, and again, people that, you know, thank God for social media because we can still keep in touch. Uh, and that's, it's, it's just so unique, right? People 10, 15, 20 years ago really didn't have the same ability to communicate the way we do now. Yeah, right, um, yeah it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty great to have that, uh, available to us would you do it again tomorrow really <laughs> yes and no um for the experience yes uh i'd be foolish to think i'd go back and have the same experience um because i was very fortunate with how how great uh the living conditions were and you know everything was for me in uh in turks and caicos um now i've got a baby girl at home and a wife who would be far less happy to see me go um so we'll we'll have to see but uh, i think when the timing is right I would love to go back and, and do that again. There's, it's, it's feels very honorable not to be cheesy, but it's, it's great to know that when you see something like this happen, you know, whether it be hurricane Dorian, a flood, uh, a fire or what have you, um, that you can truthfully say, and, you know, stand there, put your hand up and say, yeah, you know what? I'd, I'd like to help. Um, and that's, that's something that I really enjoyed. You don't get to help in the same, um, or with the same impact or meaningfulness that, uh, that you do in these sort of scenarios. So, People are very understanding and very appreciative of the position you're putting yourself in to help them, and they make that very, very well known, um, and they show that in the way that they deal with you. Yeah, because I heard, uh, I think it was Michael McLeod said earlier today, he was talking to one of his adjusters that's down in the Bahamas, and mm -hmm. she's six days, and she still hasn't had a shower yet. Like, they're literally... 
it's it, yeah it's pretty squalid conditions for some of them yeah my understanding was uh, a few of the northern islands and bahamas were very very badly affected and you know the the word decimated was used so that's uh that's always bleak um again for my experiences it was i was fortunate and they weren't to that extent yeah um we saw you know particular houses or properties or buildings or dwellings that were you know decimated but there were no fatalities in in turks which was amazing when you saw the magnitude of damage yeah, and there's but, over uh, 50 now i think or something yeah i was going to say the bahamian islands weren't uh, weren't as fortunate which is yeah. very terrible yeah. so. well matt um thanks very much for being on out and about i really appreciate it uh it was great uh, very informative i think uh People learned a lot, and especially with doing cat claims, we, we seem to get them more and more with uh, the mm -hmm. change in the climate and uh, and just everything. There's more storms. There's there's just more cat claims, mm -hmm. and uh, these cat teams popping up everywhere. So thanks a lot, and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks again to Genesis Rehabilitation Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Clinic for helping us bring you the Out and About podcast. We'd also like to thank all of our other show sponsors, such as Templeman LLP, Winmar, Diane Russell LLP, Archon Forensic Engineers, and SCM Group of Companies. We can't thank you all enough. We'll be back next week with a new podcast for you, and don't forget to contact us for a chance to be featured on the OIAA Trivia Show presented by Archon Forensic Engineers. All you have to do is listen to the last month of podcasts, and you could possibly be called on air to answer a series of trivia questions, and if you answer enough correctly, you could win fantastic seats to come and watch your favorite events in Toronto. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.